Rich, today we're sitting down with, he's a repeat guest of the Entrepreneurs United podcast, and today we're going through his book, The Secrets of Next Level Entrepreneurs, 11 Powerful Lessons to Thrive in Business and Lead a Balanced Life. I loved this conversation, and I loved how we further broke it down, the 11 lessons into hard skills, culture, and self-care, and we're able to do a deep dive on two of them that he was personally the author of, and this thing has nine different authors. I was not expecting that when we first started the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. His book comes out this spring, and we encourage you to listen through this episode and get a copy of his book, The Secrets of Next Level Entrepreneurs. Here's Alex. This episode is being brought to you by IOI Ventures. We all know that digital marketing is vital to our company's growth. Unfortunately, many of us entrepreneurs don't know where to start. We simply feel overwhelmed by acronyms like CTA, CRM, and GA. It's time for all of us to stop feeling stuck because our partners at IOI Ventures have the experience and track record to get us moving in the right direction. Want to learn more? Go to IOIVentures.com EU and sign up for your free 30-minute consultation. Alex, welcome back to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Excited to have you on and hear about your new book, about the secrets of next level entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit more about why you're writing this book, what's in it, and what we can expect when we get it. Thanks for having me again on your podcast, guys. I really appreciate it. The book came to life in the aftermath of a three-day summit with more than 40 speakers. And while I had these conversations, all of a sudden, like in the aftermath of the event, a picture formed in my head about how some of these topics are close enough to form a theme and then two, three, four themes emerged. And as I discussed the idea with people on my team, we actually decided to go for the three themes that are in the book now, which are about art skills for business leaders that are not within their subject matter expertise, but nevertheless, they need them to succeed. A chapter about or a theme about building impactful cultures and the role of leadership. And the third theme is all about the topic of self-care mindset and creating life balance, overcoming, let's say, the outdated paradigm of work-life balance. That, that's how it came to life. That's what the book is. I think I got two of the three themes, building an impactful culture, self-care mindset, and balance in your life. What was the third theme I missed? First one was the first skills that are not in your subject matter expertise, not about what made you successful in the first place. It's these things that you come across in your life at one point or another in your career where you're like, mm, I should know how to do that. People expect that I know that. But it's not necessarily something that you either studied or that um, made you successful in the first place. Okay. So I also see that there's 11 powerful lessons. Those 11 powerful lessons fit within those three themes. Is that correct? Exactly. Those are the 11 chapters in the book. And the book, every chapter comes with hyper-specific actionable advice. That's why that's what we call them lessons, because you can actually do something with it. It's not a theoretic textbook. It's written from it's written by entrepreneurs and leaders for entrepreneurs and leaders with very specific shifts. Okay, got it. Now when you say it's written by entrepreneurs, do you mean yourself or did you have a team of entrepreneurs that all collaborated to write the book? Those 11 chapters are written by nine different people. So oh, two, wow. of them, two of them were written by myself. And obviously the introductions and the chapter intros and everything comes from me. 
but I don't believe in talking about things that I'm not the expert in. So that's why when I realized that some of the themes, some of the topics, they are somehow within my area, but there are people that specialize in these topics. I asked them to contribute the chapters. Of course, we collaborated on the chapters, but it's their name that's on the headline. Yeah, nice. Can What are the two chapters that you were the exclusive author of? I wrote the first chapter in the book in the theme about hard skills, which is apparently what I've been doing for the past 15, 20 years, working with organizations around the topic of business strategy. So how do you actually define strategy in your business as a term? And what do you do with that? How do you approach the topic of creating a business strategy? So not a sales strategy, not a marketing strategy, a overarching strategy for your entire business. How do you do that? And what is it that you need to have in mind when you approach the topic? And the second chapter that I contributed to the book is the final chapter in the book based around four success critical mindset shifts that I saw in the past really helped me personally to up my game and reach the next level in how I lead and how I build businesses. And in between those two chapters, the first and the last, are the gold nuggets that were contributed by my co-writers. Awesome. I've always heard, start with the end in mind. So I'd love to start with the last chapter and dig in. So adopting four powerful mindsets is the last chapter that you were the author of. And to your own admission, not every chapter are you the expert on, but this particular chapter is one that you feel you have some experience and expertise on. Can you expand on that for our benefit? The final chapter in the book talks about four mindset shifts that help you specifically in your business, but I actually experienced the full potential when I realized how to use those mindset shifts also in my personal life. When you take a look at especially smaller businesses where, let's say, any SME that is founder-led, you have your business. It's the first thing you have in mind when you wake up and the last thing you have in mind when you go to sleep. And sometimes you even dream about it. So we've all been there and we know how difficult it can be to solve problems. And in the context of reaching your next level, what I realized is that when I shift from what I know as a given and ask myself, what is it that I don't know? And I try to explore things from a curiosity perspective, from a learner's or a beginner's perspective, all of a sudden I allow myself to be in a position to not know and be fine with it. People often um, refer to that as a growth mindset or a learner's mindset. So not judging yourself for not knowing, but actually giving yourself permission to learn and to explore and then to incorporate the learning into your life, into your business and being okay with doing that. So overcoming old opinions by learning, by rethinking and then being fine with changing course, for example, or admitting that you were wrong. That is something that can be a game changer for many entrepreneurs and business leaders because very often we can feel like everyone expects us to know. And it's difficult if you don't know to pretend that you do know. So letting go of that and instead being fine with not knowing and being humble enough, that is one of the four important mindset shifts for me. Have you always had a learner's mindset yourself? Oh, no. Oh, no, sir. I have never had a learner's mindset when I was younger. I was 
fairly arrogant and stuck in my own ways and to know it all. And it was hard for me to be honest with myself at some point in my life. But when I was, I gave myself permission to discover new ways of not knowing and uh, therefore not showing up as a know-it-all anymore. And what I realized was all of a sudden people had different conversations with me. It was more about exploring something rather than about being right or wrong. And through this curious inquiry, I made new friends. I explored whole new topics for me that I have previously not touched because something inside me said that's just not for me. So it's something that, that it can be brutal to acknowledge to yourself that you are a bit of a pain in the neck to other people because the way you show up. But once I realized it, it really opened up so many different areas in my life that I'm very grateful for. In your words, not mine, because it'll sound judgmental, but these are your words. If we met that younger Alex, we would experience him being very knowing, very potentially cocky, very, I think you might have used the word arrogant, those things. And now when we meet Alex, Alex has a learner's mindset. Uh, you're willing to admit when you don't know or reverse course when you're wrong. Was there a seminal moment where you really made this transition? And what was that moment? Or was this something that happened over time? And if it happened over time, what started you on that journey? It definitely happened over time. That was not an overnight change. I remember back when I was in my very first position after university, I studied at a very renowned business school in Germany. And those years instilled something in me that was around the lines of, hey, I studied at that school, I know stuff. And I showed up with that attitude in my first job. And that can fire back very quickly when you talk to people that have been in the job for 10 years. Now, at that point in time, I didn't really realize why they reacted the way they did, but my boss saw it and he took me aside and was and told me that people perceive me as a know-it-all. And the know-it-all that I was, it didn't matter to me. I just pushed it away. But that conversation came back Time and again, I thought about it time and again in situations where I realized people react weird when I say things. But it's not the people that reacted weird. It was me that came in a weird way into the room. And uh, over time, I realized I needed to change my ways. And I think it took me probably the better part of a decade to wake up one day and be like, I think you're not on the know-it-all side anymore, you made that shift to the, let's say, curiosity, the rethinking mind. But honestly speaking, I fall back from time to time. I'm not perfect. And it is a constant struggle because it is something that was with me for, let's say, 25 to 30 years of my life. And overcoming those old patterns just takes time. Alex, tell me about the so what. So your boss told you you were a little bit of a know-it-all. At the time you went, okay, I do know a bunch of stuff. You're a little bit of a know-it-all. So what? You come off as a little arrogant. There's a fine line between cocky and arrogant. Who cares? What's the problem with that you personally experienced that made it 
really painful for you that inspired this shift that took over a decade? What I realized is that if I continue to show up that way, I do not have the conversations that I need to have to advance my career. That was the bottom line. I was just not included in these discussions. People didn't invite me to these meetings anymore that were about curiously exploring what you could do. And when you realize what I do for a living, I'm a strategy facilitator, it is all about being curious and not knowing and allowing yourself to just try a few different things. It doesn't help if you come in and pretend to be the smartest person in the room trying to tell people what to do. That's just not my job. So back then, it wasn't my job. My job today would not allow me to show up that way. And by making that shift, eventually I allowed myself to develop in the direction where I'm today. And when you realize that people don't invite you to these meetings anymore, it's probably not about them. It's if you drive on the highway in the wrong direction, the hundred cars that, that you have coming your way, it should tell you something when you are the only one driving in one direction and the rest just doesn't. Yeah, no doubt. Alec, I resonate with this story a lot. I think I feel, and maybe Rich can validate that as well, would feel the same way you felt about your younger self, about myself. Overly confident, cocky, I know how to do this. And it, for me, it's been a little bit of a transition over time and then a couple of rude awakenings that helped me with it. But I have found to the point you're making that an entrepreneur in a position where they founded the business, they know how to make the sales of their company. They know how to produce the widgets that they sell. They know everything about their business. It's so hard for them to make that shift because they do know it all. They do know how to best represent their company and their product, but it's the worst possible trait to have when you're trying to build leadership in your own company. And so one of the tricks was how you can be a servant leader and never really answer the question. And Rich was really good at this as well, right? Which is answering the question with a question, right? How do you think we should do this? What do you think? How do you think, Alex, we should handle this? I know the answer, but me telling you the answer isn't going to really help develop you as a leader. And so that shift, to your point, made it a lot easier for me as a leader and entrepreneur to not feel like I had to give everybody always the answers. And it created a culture where they didn't actually come to me for answers anymore. They actually came and maybe bounced the idea off of me. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? But you create a culture of entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship in your own organization when they have to come up with the answers and they have to figure it out versus you always figuring that out for them. So I, I love the story. It really resonates with me. And I think you can really build a strong culture. John, I want to jump in like and just, enough. I want to correct your story about, and it may sound <laughs> bad, like I, like this is all knowing, but knowing your story, one of the things that you dropped in there was. I know the answer, but that doesn't help them. And I actually don't think that accurately depicts the shift that you had. I think the shift you had was, I know my answer. I don't know theirs. I don't think it was, I know the answer, let me ask you. Because that's still coming from that knowing mindset. I know the answer. I think your shift was, I know my own answer. What I don't know is what yours would be. And maybe yours is better. Executive coach. That's yeah. what you do when you go really into coaching mode. Coaching is not about telling people what to do. Exactly. That's mentorship or training. It is about just knowing that you can't possibly know everything and that based on where they sit and the information they have, they might even have a better approach than you and allowing them to give them permission to share their thoughts and go into an open-ended discussion. I think this is truly powerful behavior for a leader. 
embracing such a coaching mindset. Yeah. And Rich, I appreciate you throwing that in there because I think right. But I'm not sure that's 100% always the case because I think there were times where somebody would ask me the question and I felt like I knew the answer. But by posing it back to them and saying, what do you think? To your point, they potentially provided a better answer than I actually had. I'm like, oh, maybe I should ask that question more often. And that created a culture within me where I became more of a servant leader to, hey, what do you think the right answer is as a matter of practice? So that transition, I think, happened maybe a little over time, but I appreciate that. I get what you're saying. There are some things that just are push button, pull lever in your business. You've been running your business. You just hired somebody six months ago who asked a question where there is an answer and you've been doing this for 10 years. And instead of giving the answer, giving them the opportunity to grow and learn. And I agree with you. I think there's an, uh, there's servant leadership in that. And then there is this other side of, hey, there are many ways to do it, right? I know yeah. my way that I would call doing it, but I'm not sure I know your way to do it. Bring your yeah. talents to bear on the problem you just asked me about. Yeah, exactly. All right, Alex, let's move to the first chapter in the book that you wrote. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you're a strategy facilitator. I'd love to learn a little bit more about what is this chapter about related to business strategy, if that's a big component of this chapter of hard skills. This entire chapter basically explores what business strategy, the term as such is being used all over the place by people that have no idea about what business strategy really is. And this is a similar issue that we see in businesses in their day to day then, for example, the misuse of the term coaching. When we talk about the term coaching, just as we did, we are not talking about showing someone how to do it, but that's how coaching is often being used as a term. And that causes all kinds of weird understandings about what it is and how it should be done. And the same is true when we talk about a term like business strategy. It's just something that's been thrown around all the time without really understanding what it means. And when you then bring, let's say, five, 10 people into a room and everyone has a different understanding about what that actually means, what does that term entail, and you ask them to start creating input for a new business strategy, you can imagine all the kinds of issues that come with that if they are not aligned on what that term actually means and what a business strategy consists of and how to create it. So I use a few examples, very practical examples in that chapter to showcase how differently organizations use the term and what the result of that can be. And I also provide some, let's say, really interesting frameworks that can help you get your head around the topic of business strategy. For example, the Entrepreneurial Strategy Compass by Joshua, which is an amazingly simple tool to think about how to approach the strategy for your business if you're just starting out, if you're creating a new tech company or whatever it might be, and how you can approach your go-to-market strategy in the end. And I use the example of, of Amazon to illustrate how Amazon actually went through this entrepreneurial strategy compass at different stages in their development as an organization from a startup to a global powerhouse. So Alex, what is business strategy? If you asked Rich and I the question and we both answered, we'd probably answer it differently than each other and differently than you to your point you're making. There's so many different perceptions on what this is. What would be your one-liner? What is business strategy? A business strategy is a set of key priorities to achieve a desired vision or goal. 
and that needs to be extremely well defined what these key priorities are and when you look into successful businesses how they define their strategy and when you understand how they use the term strategy it is not a plan a strategy is not a plan a strategy is a framework that allows you to take decisions in the best possible way to work in line with the priorities that you set to achieve a specific goal. So every time I hear the term strategic planning, I cringe. It's something that doesn't make sense. Strategy and planning are two different things. Strategy is talking about the future and a framework and not knowing what that future will look like. These are really big bets. And planning is about the illusion of control about cost. This is something entirely different. When you plan, you think about creating security, creating something that you can control. It's not about the future necessarily. So we shouldn't use the term strategic planning at all. We should talk about strategy and we should talk about planning, but please don't mix the two. Okay, I need to keep going down this track. Um... I hear, I heard everything you said. Business, what is business strategy? I think the answer is, what are the key priorities to achieve a goal? Was the one sentence. And then you said strategy is not a plan. So when you hear yes. strategic planning, you cringe. And you said a, a bunch of other things. I was trying to wrap my head around it and I need to ask you to try again. because I'm not quite there yet. Because to me, and I'm going to make you cringe. A strategic plan is where are you going? How are you going to deploy, as Rich and I heard from another guest, potentially limited resources against an unlimited amount of opportunities that are coming your way, and then designing a plan to keep you focused on your strategy. So strategy without a plan to keep you focused on the strategy, to me, is being halfway there. I have a strategy, but I don't need a plan. I just need a strategy. So to me, they fit hand in hand. Help connect me to your view of this. I agree with you. A plan and a strategy need to go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. Okay. So couldn't one argue that a strategic plan is half the strategy and half the plan just put together? If you want to go that way, <laughs> be my guest. Alex, okay. I feel like what you're saying is when people say we're going into a strategic planning session, what they're really doing is doing a planning session, often in the absence of strategy. And right. what needs to be done first is to define the strategy, which is a set of key priorities to achieve a desired vision or goal. After you have set those key priorities, of course you need a plan on how to achieve those key priorities. But you want to separate strategy creation from planning and have make sure strategy happens first. That is absolutely correct. Perfect. That is very helpful. Both of you, it really kind of helped me connect the dots there between those two. Because you're right. Like when you do, this goes to your point you made earlier, Alex, I'm not catching up, which was people don't really know what strategy is. They think it's a plan and they call it a strategy is what I think you're ultimately trying to say. And that really helped solidify Rich when you also said that, which is if you're going into a strategic session, have it be about strategy exclusively. Don't mix the two. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good piece in learning. So in this chapter, I'm curious, obviously we want people to read the book and we don't want you to give us all the secrets of the book, but 
how would you, how do you approach strategy? Because I, I approach it with the companies I work with in a certain way. Rich does with his way. What is your simple recipe? One, two, three. How do you work with companies when you work with them strategically in this area? The first thing that we need to do is understand the difference between planning and strategy and get our head around what we really want to achieve. And that is often difficult for people because especially if you are leaders, you have a certain area of responsibility in a bigger corporation, for example, and you often approach a strategy session with your responsibilities in mind, which can obviously derail the entire conversation because maybe the best way for your business to approach the future is within a new structure that does not have the same areas of responsibility than before. So if you approach a strategy session with a fixed understanding of how the organization should look like, then you're making the second step before the first. Form follows function. And that means an organizational structure of any enterprise needs to follow its strategy. So what I really try to achieve with leaders in the first place is to come to these sessions with an open mind and to allow themselves to detach from their operational responsibilities, to detach themselves from their role. I don't want the CHRO to talk about HR-related topics in a, in a strategy session. I want them, like anyone else, to embrace the business as a whole to develop the business as a whole. And if you're able to do that, there will always be a role for you afterwards because people value the contribution in the big, in the overarching sense, in the big sense, way more than your subject matter expertise. And to bring this full circle, you had said with your knowing mindset, you were removed from those types of meetings because you weren't open to exploring you came into a meeting like that and said, well, let me tell you what the answer is. And it was probably from a position of your organizational responsibilities at that time. Beautifully captured. Absolutely. Yes. And that, that also articulates why, even as a strategy facilitator yourself, why it's important for companies to consider that strategy facilitator or strategy coach to come in from maybe outside of their organization they don't have responsibilities because you're right. The amount of times we talk about strategy and someone's like, I need three more people in my HR department. That's not strategy. That, that's personally <laughs> focused on your role and responsibility. And it's, it is interesting too, how this main philosophy you have about strategy also plays into the chapter about mindset and just being open and being curious and exploring. So that seems to be a big, big part of what you do and how you help companies. The interesting piece about this book is that you could read these themes or even these chapters completely compartmentalized. You don't have to read that book back to back in order to take value from it. And let's be honest, the topic of pricing, strategic pricing, that's part of the first theme, might not necessarily be important for you at this point in your career. Yep. You're probably more interested in a strategy piece or in anything around the topic of culture and leadership. So this book is something that you will put on your shelf and take out throughout your career to find let's say, an entry point into a specific topic. And then once you have that entry point, you can start exploring it in depth. And those topics will change as you mature and your business matures. 
the topics that you need to embrace as a leader and as an entrepreneur mature as well. They change. So th this is an anthology book that will probably be with you for some years. And from time to time, you realize, huh, now I get it. Now I know why this part is in there. I need it now. I didn't need it five years ago, but I'm really curious about this now. Alex, I'm going to ask you a setup question that you don't really have an option to answer. Can I challenge you? No. <laughs> See, you don't have an option to answer differently. So this is going to be a challenge, and I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'd love to see where we go. You've got 11 chapters in this book. You personally authored two of them. That leaves nine chapters you did not author. Which one of the nine is the absolute most impactful that stands above the rest? This heavily depends on where you are in your career right now. So if you are a young leader, for example, in an organization, you, you were promoted into your first leadership position, I strongly recommend you read the second theme about leadership and creating an impactful cultural workplace. Because that is what will define you as a leader. It will make you a good leader or a bad leader, whether you know how to lead or whether you don't know how to lead. The first theme about hard skills, that will come later in your career, where you realize there are hard skills that I really need to embrace now, but you will never become a great leader just because of your hard skills. So I would say focus on theme two right now. If you are an entrepreneur and you just founded a business, for example, then I would strongly recommend you read the third theme to better understand what's important for you to self-actualize, to realize how you can achieve life balance. There are so many entrepreneurs out there that start a business two years in, they just realize it's too much, they're on the wrong track, it's not sustainable for them. So realizing what works for you as a person in such a situation is even more important than the topic of leadership or the topic of pricing. However, if you are, let's say, a, a corporate leader somewhere in the middle of your career, you want to think about what are the skills that I need to master to allow others to invite me to the table for the big conversation. For example, getting a better understanding of how business strategy is being created. And so it heavily depends on where you are in your career, what type of leader you are, what type of entrepreneur you are, what type of business you're working in. I found every single chapter extremely relevant. That's the reason why they're in the book. Some of the most impactful chapters for me while we created the book were the ones I had no idea about, no real knowledge of. There's one chapter in the book about using the social and environmental sustainability efforts of your company to create new touch points with your consumers, with your clients. And that was extremely powerful for me to explore how you can do good while doing well. That was just really nice to find a door into this room that I had no idea about. Yeah, from being a repeat guest of ours, I should have known that you would have answered a challenging question with such grace that, you know, you really did separate who could use hard skills, culture, and self-care. Of course, everybody could use it all, but start here, and you went through those. You, of course, edified all the chapters because that's why they're in the book. They're all valuable. And then you wrapped up with giving us something that you personally got value from that you don't have experience from. What a terrific answer to a challenge. I just hope when somebody challenges me, I can do it as well as you just did there, Alex. <laughs>
That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for being on again. And uh, this was terrific. Much appreciated. Thanks, Rich. Alex, where can we pre-order this book? Where, what are the next steps if we want to get our hands on this thing? So actually, you can read part of the book for free. If you go to my website, you can download the first chapter for free. The book comes out on the 28th of March in North America. If you have people listening in other areas of the world, between end of March and mid-May, the book will be available everywhere in the world. Go to nextlevelbook.co to download the first chapter for free. And yeah, I really hope you get value from the book one step at a time as you go through it. That's awesome. Thank you very much for your time and look Thank forward you, to reading Alex. it. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rich. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. John, I love your challenge and then ultimately understanding of what Alex was talking about with strategic planning. I do think it's not intuitive on how those get separated, but the way that he describes them being required to be separated because so many people miss the strategy and just get right into the planning side and the advocating for their current role. That's like, oh, wait a second, you're planning and you're strategic planning. Can we just talk strategy to start with? Yeah, I love that separation. And I always viewed them as one myself. Strategic planning, we're doing a strategic planning session. We're putting together a three to five year strategic plan. To me, that kind of worked. But when I think through it and I think about how often we jump to the plan and just gloss over this word called strategy and we coming up with an annual plan, there is a really good argument to be made that even if you are doing a strategic planning session, you should divide it very clearly and say, we are now in strategy. We're not planning. Get out of your role, pull yourself out of your body, pretend this is a company you're consulting for. What is the strategy? Where are we going? Why are we here? What are we ultimately trying to achieve? I think it's a really good exercise and then have a natural break to go, okay, we defined our strategy. Now let's put a plan to go hit it. I think it's really cool that Alex was the author among the nine authors. He was the author of the first and last. Yeah. And what a bookend to either side of this book. And I'm looking forward to reading it. I obviously wanted to dig in. I said, you know, where it ended on this self-care part, really, where he was talking about going into a learner's mindset and having curiosity and having powerful mindsets. And I, very similar to you, and I'm sure you would know, and you could probably tell my story as well, if not better than I can. Very similarly, I had a very knowing mindset, and it was about a decade of evolution to try to get out of that. I think I still am a work in progress on that, but it was probably 12, 13 years ago that it first started to really show up on my radar that maybe I didn't know at all. And what I found out was upon further exploration was this air of knowing an awful lot or knowing at all, it was really in protection of, it's an ego protection of maybe potentially lower self-esteem or fear of being found out that maybe I don't know it all mm -hmm. and what that might mean in terms of my credibility or likability or ability to impact others. And man, have I really discovered that shedding the knowing mindset and really truly adopting a learner's mindset it is so much easier to lead 
and lead with authenticity. I don't have to know it all. And by the way, for those who I work with, you don't either. And that message is so clearly communicated when I express, I don't know it all. I am curious. I have an opinion. I have a starting position, but I don't think that's where we'll end up. Let me just throw something on the table for us to talk about together. I have really gotten good at that, and I've experienced better relationships, less stress, me getting triggered or defensive way less often, and I just frankly enjoy what I do better coming at it, and I'm better at it with a curiosity mindset. So I could not resonate more with that just like you did when we were on with Alex. Yeah, and it's so freeing to your point. The amount of times that we, together in different situations, would probably just BS our way through something because we thought we knew it. And we yeah. wanted to show that we knew it. I know the answer here. Let me, I'm just going to BS my way through this. And when you stop pretending you know it all, and you just are okay to be vulnerable to say, I don't really know the answer to this. You're so much more open as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a friend, as any, as, as he was talking about, there's certain points where people probably didn't want me in the room. Oh, here comes John. He knows it all. And it's so freeing. And so what I also loved about this book, Rich, is something he said at the tail end. This isn't a book that you have to read from cover to cover mm. necessarily, but it's one that when you read, you may need a little more of chapter three or chapter seven right now, but later you may go back, oh, now I know what they were talking about in chapter 12 or whatever it may be. I love those types of books that also have the action built into it. Like just reading a fable right now is good, it's fun, but it seems like this book is very actionable and can be really powerful for young leaders as well as experienced leaders who maybe want to polish up in some of these areas and maybe shed a little bit of pressure they're putting on themselves to try and be perfect in everything and develop some of these mindset shifts that get you more balanced.